It was a dark and stormy night, the kind that grips you with fright, cause the raging wind is howling like a beast, and the rain pounds without cease. In the darkness I stood alone, with nothing but my thoughts to roam, as lightning flashed across the sky, illuminating fears that I felt and I could not deny. In the middle of the storm's fierce might, I felt a stirring, an urge to take flight, escape the night, and leave behind what held me tight, and chase my dreams and win the fight. But the winds and rain clung hard to me, while I tried and tried to set myself free from the darkness, from the secrets, and from the unknown. Or could I make the storm my own? Was there a way to figure it out? Beyond a doubt, a way out. I looked about, but I couldn't see a way out. I couldn't break free. But then, a light came looking for me. It was that light that set me free from the storm that roared inside of me. He was that light, a shining light. That light who brought me hope and helped me to ignite a fire that would burn so bright and make all right my dark and stormy night. Storylines. Write good things. So statistics tell us that around 60% of Americans deal with loneliness on a regular basis. If you are Hispanic or black, that number jumps up to actually 70%. 58% of adults report feeling that no one knows them well. 65% of parents feel loneliness. That's actually higher than non-parents, interestingly enough. Mothers, 69% claim to feel loneliness on a regular basis. And if we take single mothers, that number jumps to 77%. And how about this statistic? 79% of a certain age group actually deal with regular loneliness. That's adults in the ages of 18 to 24. Loneliness actually makes it twice as likely that you will struggle with mental health issues. In each year, $154 billion is lost due to absenteeism. That's because people don't want to go to work because they feel lonely. And what's scary about these is most of these statistics are actually pre-pandemic. Now, you don't need a quiz and you don't need statistics to know that loneliness is an issue. Maybe you just need a mirror. And that's where a lot of us are. Maybe we don't deal with it on a constant basis, but we also deal with it on a, you know, occasional basis or maybe on a regular basis. And I can even speak to this issue of loneliness personally, but I know that we all could use some help. And I know that we could all could use some hope to work through this darkness of loneliness. And so this morning, we don't come at all. And you're going to have to help me with this mic because I have so much feedback. It's, it's, um, I'm really struggling. Are we good? All right. Uh, thank you. Um, but I want to just talk about this idea of loneliness because I want it to be a help. Because if you're struggling with this at any level today, I want to give you some 
perspective, give you some encouragement, maybe even give you a, a game plan and, and some ideas of what you can do to, adjust, uh, to address it. So we're going to start out by talking a little bit about causes, what causes loneliness in her story, and then I want to talk about steps, that, that, or excuse me, God's perspective on it, where we can find hope, and then actually some steps that we can take that might be helpful to us as we deal with this situation and as we push back against the darkness of loneliness in our lives. So first of all, we're going to start with what are some of the causes of loneliness in our stories? And maybe you'll see yourself in this list, and part of the reason of going through this list is to actually say, oh, that's me, because if you start to understand what's causing it, then we can start to deal with it and, and we can start to address it. One of the first things that comes up is actually the pandemic. We were physically separated and distanced because we had to be, but it has had lasting impact even on our society because that distance that we created even spatially, we've maintained even uh, as we've gone on in our relationships. The, the pandemic was a contributing factor. Social media is one of the leading contributors to loneliness today, which is somewhat ironic because in social media, the idea is that we can sit down at our computers and we can all can connect with each other. Except for the fact that we don't really connect with each other. We just kind of type, I think, at each other. And there, it's a very two-dimensional connection. And we don't have any, like, heartfelt conversations. And we don't have good face-to-face -face interaction. And the end result of a lot of this social media is not that it brings us together, but that it actually leaves us more isolated and more separated. Another cause of loneliness that we deal with in life is life passages. We just simply transition. We go from one stage in one place to another place. Uh, I'll tell you where, like, high school kids feel this. You leave high school, you go to college, you leave some friendships behind. It's even more, I think, pronounced when you go from college and into the real world. Because up to that point in life, you've always had a natural friend group that you could build relationships in. And all of a sudden, you step into the, to, to the, the I don't mean the real world, the work world, the, the career world. And it's not, those natural connections just aren't there. But sometimes we move to another place, or, or, or sometimes we move to another job, and we lose those connections from, from life passages. Sometimes it's just we uh, have to withdraw from relationships. And there are relationships that we have in life that are dysfunctional or toxic, where we actually have to step back. Or maybe it's somebody who stepped back from us, and it's not necessarily that there's a problem there that we were aware of, but maybe they felt that way. But we see withdrawal contributing to loneliness and to isolation. Another cause is what I would call general atrophy. We just lose friends along the way. All of us can relate to this. People who were friends, there's no issue whatsoever that we had with that person. It's just that friendships just kind of have dissipated and they kind of fade away. And you can see this. You can go look at your Facebook and you have like 500 friends on Facebook, except you don't. And all of those people at one point were a part of your life, but maybe now they're not, and they're just out there uh, on that social media site there. Here's another reason for loneliness and isolation, especially for those of us who are Christ followers. It's um, feeling to take advantage of or avoidance of the church. One of the foundational premises and one of the foundational concepts of the church is actually 
relationships. And we are called there, we're told what? That we are the body of Christ, that we all have responsibilities and gifts that we could share within the body of Christ. And when we avoid the church, we actually lose out on community. And actually, I think the church, um, even when we're in the church, we can experience maybe the tension that comes when, when community and relationships aren't as strong as we think they should be. And so sometimes it's actually avoiding church, sometimes it's participating in the church, but that can actually lead to isolation and aloneness and insulation, maybe another word that we use there. Another cause of loneliness is the lies that we tell ourselves. We actually create barriers with other people. By the things that we say to ourselves, like, oh, if they really knew the true story about me, they wouldn't be interested. So rather than tell them that story and risk that, we just say, I'll just create distance myself there, and we put up walls of protection that way. If, if anybody, you know, and we tell ourselves like this, like, nobody's ever gone through what I'm going through right now, so why should I share this with somebody else? Or, you know what, if people really knew the real me, they wouldn't like me. And we have all of these things that are running through our minds that we tell ourselves, and we just assume then that the other people out there are thinking the exact same thing. We've never said it. We've never stated it. But we just then take the action and say, I'm going to step back here because of all of these truths that really aren't true. Even something like, you know what? Nobody cares. Nobody, everybody's all about themselves. Nobody really cares about me. These are all lies that we tell ourselves, and it costs us in the area of, of relationships. Another one, we live lives without margin. Mark and I were talking about this this week. We have all of these great time-saving devices in life, and so we've saved all this time, and what have we taken that free time and filled it with? We haven't filled it with like, relationships. We fill it with more activities. And, and we really should have more time than ever to have relationships in our lives and we don't, because we don't have any time margin, and we don't also have any relational margin. And sometimes, you know, you experience this, by the time you get home from work, it's like, I got nothing left to give. It, I mean, that day just sucked it all out of me. And if I can just get to, you know, Saturday, maybe I can recover a little bit, and by Sunday I can put on a, a happy face and, and try to be warm and friendly. But we live lives that are so stressed and, and have so much going on in them that we don't have the bandwidth there to share in relationships and to, like, reach out to somebody. That just sounds like way too much work, doesn't it? Way too much effort. Another reason, cynicism. See, we were in a relationship once. When I say relationship, I'm just talking about friendship. And, and that person, you know, stabbed us in the back or gossiped about us. And, and we got hurt. And so what we did is like, well, okay, that relationship's done. But, you know, we look at every relationship and we sense and we recognize the danger that comes in that relationship for the same thing to happen. And you're like, that really stung. I don't know if I'm willing to go through that again. And so we step back, and it's just a protection thing, because you know what? Relationships, that's just a good way to bring more grief, and to bring more drama, and to bring more pain, and to bring more hurt into our lives. And we actually live in fear of relationships, and the things that should be giving us life and helping us 
we avoid because of the damage that's been done in the past. Another reason, and there's a lot of reasons, aren't there? Another reason are just the differences that we have with other people. And we see this in our world right now. We see such extreme tribalism, but you just look at that like, well, I'm not like that, and I'm not like that, and I'm not like that, and gosh, I don't fit with anybody. And so we see all these differences, and we're like, well, you're not like me, so I'm going to step back here. When the truth of the matter is, we just all want a peak place to belong and to fit in. But if we feel like we're different, instead of trying to bridge the gap and actually leverage those differences in a positive way, we're just like, eh, I don't know about that person. And I don't know about that person, and I don't know about that person, I don't know about that person. Like, you know what? The whole world's crazy. The only sane, normal person here is me. And here I sit by myself. And we have all these different reasons and all these different causes of loneliness and of isolation. And if we're honest, some of it then we bring on ourselves And if we understand these, we start to realize that there are things that we can do about this. But there's a piece that's missing. And really the piece that's missing is the God piece. And that's where we want to go next here this morning. And so if you'll start or if you'll open up God's Word or your device or whatever, we're starting right at the very beginning of the story, Genesis chapter 1. And these are familiar verses. And as we look at things today, I'm not sure that I'll say anything that's new Or anything that you're like, oh, I never thought about that before. What I want to do is remind us of some truths, and hopefully we can then leverage those truths in our stories. And as we look at this darkness of isolation and loneliness, because it really is dark, isn't it? And if you're sitting there this morning and say, I just feel so alone, and like I don't have any friends, or like nobody gets me, or I have nobody to talk to, or like just like people have disappeared from my life, there is hope. And there's a lot of hope. So Genesis chapter 1, we're going to pick up the story in verse number 26. This is the creation story God has been creating for the last five days. And he's created light and darkness. And he's separated the firmament and the earth. And, and uh, he's brought the plant life and he's brought the animal life. And now he gets to day 6 where he's going to create man. Verse number 26, God said, Let us make man in our image, in our likeness, So that they may rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. And so God creates mankind in his own image. And that's really important. Why was mankind made in in God's image? So that God And man could communicate. Because to communicate, there has to be commonness. In fact, the word communication that we use is the same word that we, has the same root word that we use for community or or communal. It has the idea of something in common. And so God created man in his image so that there would be this commonness so that we could actually have relationship with God. You think about animals, they're not made in God's image, and they don't relate to God. I have, I have the crazy dog that runs around my house. I'm pretty sure that she's never had a God thought in her life. She's thought about food, she's thought about her Frisbee. That's all she thinks about is her Frisbee. 
But she doesn't think about God because there's not that commonness. So we were made in God's image so that we could have a relationship with God. But then we were made like each other so that we could have a relationship with each other, male and female. They were both humans, so they, but they can relate to each other. But they're also made with differences. So that's something to keep in mind, too. But it's interesting that when God created man, he actually created them in a pair. And we, and we realize that as we step back in chapter 2, there's a little bit more nuance to that. But God didn't just create one. He created two because relationships were so key to creation. So verse number 28, God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, and over every living creature that moves on the ground. And what we see from this part of the story is this, that relationships are the foundation of the creation story. And it's interesting, even as we look at the fact that we're made in God's image, if we look at those verses closely, he said, let us make man in our image, in, in our likeness. Who's speaking there? God. Why is he using plural terms? He doesn't say, let me make man in my image. God himself is God in relationship, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We've sung about the different members of the, of the Godhead, even in our worship here this morning. But we're made in God's image so that we can communicate, but we're made in God's image because God is relational himself. We were created as a pair, male and female, and we've been given a mandate to populate the earth that's impossible to fulfill on our own. Adam couldn't do it by himself. Eve couldn't do it by herself. It had to be both of them for this mandate that God, this role, this rule, this, this instruction that God gives to be fulfilled. And so the entire story that we live in is relationship-based. In fact, when we talk about life, you can't really extract relationships from life and have anything worth living. Because that's how God created it. We could take it a step further and say this, relationships then are essential if we are to be fully human. And, and the, the greatest thing that we can experience is that full humanity that God created us with. And we do that by, by experiencing relationships. And I realize there's other parts to the story, but humanity requires re relationships. We have a natural hunger and craving for relationships. In fact, we need them. And if we don't have them, it leaves life feeling wrong. And why does it feel wrong? It's because we are created for them. And why do we feel lonely? Because we realize that this is not the ideal. If it didn't matter when we were just alone, we're like, oh, finally. And maybe you do from time to time. You know, when you put the kids to bed, I get that. But for the most part, it's like we crave that. And when we're missing it, we sense there's a hole because we were created as humans to have relationships. We can't become who we need to become. We can't do what we need to do. We can't have any of that stuff without relations. We need partners and companions in life. And we need these people who bring balance to our stories. We need people who bring encouragement to our stories. 
We need people who bring support. We need people who bring encouragement. Sometimes who bring correction, contribution. But we need people in our stories because we're not enough on our own. And as Adam, and we're going to look at this in just a minute, Adam was complete, but he was incomplete at the same time. And that's the same for all of us. We have a need for other people in our lives. And when relationships are not there or when relationships are not good, there's a tension that we sense or there's a darkness that settles over our soul. Well, we keep reading on into Genesis chapter 2. And Genesis chapter 2 is a little bit of a repeat of Genesis chapter, the back part of Genesis chapter 1. It just goes into more detail of how man's actually created And we're told that God, first of all, formed Adam out of the dust of the earth, and he breathed into him the breath of life, and life happens when God in that that dust comes together. That's when the life of man happens. And then God gives Adam some instruction, and God has Adam name the animals. But then it says this in verse number 18. The Lord said, it's not good for man to be alone. Because up to this point, there is no Eve. It's just Adam on the earth. But when God says this, it's not good for man to be alone. It's not like God was making a discovery. It's like, I created a man. What was I thinking? Why didn't I give him a buddy? God knew from the start he was going to need that person. But God says, you know what? We're going to, as we create and go through creation here, I'm, I'm going to... Create them separately, and and there can be different reasons for that. I think there are different reasons for that. But God's not making a discovery here. He's making a statement, and the statement is this. Hey, world, hey, people, for all times, it is not good for you to live in isolation, in aloneness, in loneliness. But what I love about this is that God doesn't look at that and say, hey, by the way, it's not good if you're alone. Good luck. He says, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to make a helper suitable for him. And, and this is really talking about the marriage relationship, but it's, but it's talking about broader relationships in general. And God says, you know what? It's not good for man to be alone, so I'm going to make sure that there's always the potential for other humans to be part of of his story. And God, don't miss this in the story. God is committed to bringing people into our lives. Hey, Adam, you're alone. I'm going to give you Eve. Hey, you're alone. God is every bit as committed to bringing relationships into our lives. That's how he created us to be. And he is about perpetuating the world that he's created. Now it goes on there in verse number 19, Now the Lord God formed out of the ground all the wild animals, all the birds in the sky. He brought them to the man to see what he would name them. Whatever the man called each living creature, that was its name. So the man gave names to all the livestock, the birds in the sky, all the wild animals. But for Adam, no suitable helper was found, and God does something about it. So the Lord caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. And when he was sleeping, he took one of the man's ribs, closed up the place with flesh, Then the Lord made the woman from the rib he had taken out of the man. He brought her to the man. And the man said, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, for she was taken out of man. But this is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife. 
And they become one flesh, and Adam and his wife were both naked, and they felt no shame. And so God says, it's not good for man to be alone. I'm going to bring somebody else into the picture, and they're to live in unison. They're to figure out how to do life together. Not just singly, not just side by side, but somehow they're supposed to do life together. But here's what's interesting, too. In verse number 25, they're naked and unashamed. They were fully vulnerable, transparent, and they were open with each other. And there were no barriers between them, so they were free to do life as a partnership. But we could see from this a third point here, that relationships then were at their best in the garden. And God is making some points here as this story unfolds in the way that, that he goes about creating Adam and then Eve. But the first point, don't miss this one, is that Adam's first and primary relationship was to be to God. So he creates Adam. Eve's not here yet. And that's a reminder to, to Adam is what? Hey, it's you and me, buddy. That's where it all starts. And it's a reminder to all of us, our first and primary relationship needs to be vertical with God. And then he says, you're going to need human relationships too. And he makes that point. And then we have horizontal relationships. And in this process, I think Adam had a greater appreciation for partnership, for companionship, for a buddy, for somebody to do life with. And we see in this story the idea of equality and mutuality and reciprocity and partnership where Adam and Eve had something to give to each other. And I think this was maybe the best part of the garden. And I realize it was lush with, with vegetation and there was great fruit and it was beautiful and all of that. But the best part of the garden for Adam? Well, first of all, it should be God. But secondly, Eve. And the best part of the garden for Eve? Adam. And the best part of life should be our relationships. I've done tons of funerals, way more than, 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 than I prefer. But you know what we talk about at funerals? And when I sit down with families and talk about we talk about relationships. That's pretty much it. Now, relationships and how events are you know, connected to relationships, but it all comes down to relationships because that is the essence of life, and that's what the garden was all about. And you know what's even interesting to me? is even when man is taken from the garden and, and, and cast out of the garden, Eve goes with him. And it's so important to God that, that that story continues on, the story of relationships. The fourth thing we see here, relationships are the primary target of the enemy. And we're into Genesis chapter 3 now, and this is the temptation of Eve. And she gives into that temptation, and so we pick up midway through that story, verse number 6, when the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye, and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and she ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were open, and they realized they were naked, so they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. And here's what the enemy does. The enemy comes into our story and says, let me separate you. First of all, let me separate you, Adam and Eve, from God by sin. But let me also separate you, Adam and Eve, from each other. And we see that because Adam and Eve sow fig leaves, and they hide behind their fig leaves, and then they go on top of that, and they, they hide somewhere in the bush in the brush for when God comes. But this is the enemy's work 
It's to divide. God's work is always to bring together. The enemy's work is always to divide. And if we understand that in our lives, I think it makes it even more essential and more important to us that we say, you know what, I have to make sure that I am pursuing relationships in my life. When I step back and say I'm too busy or I'm too hard or I've been hurt or whatever, all the different reasons that we have, we let the enemy have a foothold. And we have to step in and say, you know what, I'm going to push back on that because life happens when we come together. And so we see Adam and Eve separated, and we see everything else that comes into the picture, the self-consciousness, the self-protection, the hiding, the covering up, the fear of judgment, the fear of difference, the fear of shame, the unworthiness, and this is what the enemy uses. All of these things, all of these lies that go through our head, some of them might even be truths, but all of these things that separate us. And Adam and Eve were separated there. They struggle with their relationship, and we struggle in our relationship too. But verse number 8 is a great verse. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But what's happening here? That relationship, they're separated. They're hiding from God, and God's like, oh, no, 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 no. I'm not letting that happen. You can hide from me, but I know where you are. And he's not asking to find out, you know, it's not Marco Polo here. He's like, okay, you know, what's the condition that you're in? But God refuses to let them be alone even after what they had done. And God calls in verse number 9 to the man, where are you? And he answered, I heard you in the garden. I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. And man is actually bringing some of this loneliness on himself. And God goes on and says, Who told you you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded not to? And the man said, The woman you put here, she gave me. And so we see these relationship issues even made worse here. Because Adam's saying, Don't don't group me with her. Which is a really, I mean, they probably should have grabbed each other and said, Please be merciful to us. But relationship issues often cause severe trauma. And our stories are affected by the people in them, and our stories are affected by the relationships in them. And Adam and Eve have a severe trauma they experience between themselves. And you could say that both ways, I guess. Severe trauma can also cause relationship issues. But the trauma that's caused typically is isolation. And one of the worst things that we can experience in our life is isolation. And it's not always physical. You can be sitting in this room this morning with with dozens of other people and feel very, very isolated. But that's the trauma that comes from relationship issues. But what I love here is is the hope that even this story ends with. But relationships can be what God created them to be. And I love how you get to verse number 20 in chapter 3 there, and it says what? Adam named his wife Eve because she would become the mother of all living. How's that going to happen? It's going to happen when this relationship within Adam and Eve is restored. 
and when they come together, life happens again. And the encouragement from this whole story is that relationships can maybe not be exactly what they were before sin came into the picture, but relationships can be redeemed and can be restored and can have the same impact that God intended for them in the beginning. When all the curse came, the one thing that wasn't cursed is Adam and Eve, they wouldn't be separated. There would be struggles together, but they would not be separated. And God's intention for us is to live in relationship. They lost the garden, but they did not lose each other. They lost the garden, and they didn't lose God either, by the way. And so that gives us some understanding of how relationships are supposed to be. Let me just finish up here quickly this morning with just some simple ideas of of steps that we can take to push back against the weapon of the enemy, to push back against the, the darkness that we find ourselves in sometimes. First of all, make your relationship with God your first priority. You can have great relationships with other people, but you're still going to have a hole somewhere in your story, in your heart, because God intends to be your first priority. And if you're dealing with isolation or loneliness right now, that's your first commitment. Okay, God, let's get you and me straightened out here. And you're not straightening out God, just to clarify there. Just getting that relationship straight out. And then secondly, though, turn your loneliness or your isolation, if you need to, into solitude. Sometimes we get put in situations in life where we are alone. We have to be by ourselves, where, you know, other people have cut us off or whatever, and we can feel that isolation. One thing that we can do with that is we can turn that into solitude. In other words, make that a situation that that we can leverage for good. Solitude is something I think that God calls us to, and solitude is something that we, most of us, don't have enough of in life. So even if we have silence in our lives and we have the missing element of relationship, a lot of times we just fill it with noise or activity or whatever. Sometimes it's okay to step back and say, you know what I'm going to fill this with? is some rest and some quiet and some God. And we can take those moments to say, I'm going to use this as a positive in my life. Thirdly, though, Take the initiative to contribute to another person. And this is the example that God provides for us in this story. Is when Adam and Eve are isolated and when they're alone, what does God do? I'm going to go to them and I'm going to solve their problem. I'm going to meet their needs. I'm going to assure them of our relationship. I'm going to restore their relationship. But I think this is such a key when we're dealing with this issue in our lives is to, instead of worrying about, okay, what do I do about my loneliness, to realize, if we go back to the beginning here, to realize that six out of ten people that you walk into, walk into on the street, or even in church, are probably dealing with loneliness in their lives. And the solution is you, for their loneliness. So many times, like, okay, i got to find people to come into my life. How about if we find people who need you to come into their life? They could be sitting in the row that you're sitting in this morning, too. You don't have to look very far. But when we start losing ourselves in other people's story, we start losing the loneliness that we're dealing with. So drop the walls and invite other people into your story. 
That means you're going to have to be vulnerable. That means that, you know, you might have to take a risk. And you might, not have, you might reach out to somebody and you might not have them reach back out to you. You're going to have to take that risk. And you might have to dive into a situation and find that, you know, you're not the best match, but you're still okay with that. And you're going to put yourself in an uncomfortable place. And you're going to actually maybe even share yourself. Such a powerful thing. We are so tight with all the information about ourselves. My favorite part of re-engage when you do re-engage is every couple gets to share their story. It's, it's a powerful thing. And for every couple who's sat in there, getting to share your story is, is incredible. To actually say, this is who I am, this is where I came from, this is what's happened to me. And you sit there and there's no judgment in that room. There's just like, oh, you too? And there is this bonding that takes place. And if we would just lose our defensiveness and lose our fear and just say, okay, this is who I am. I'm trying to do better. I'm broken. I know that. And by God's grace, I'm not content with that. But to invite people into our story. See, the loneliness, or excuse me, the antidote to loneliness is not people, it's connection. But people can't connect to you if you don't provide any places to connect. We have like these Teflon walls. Nobody could ever connect to us. And then the last thing here is just develop some good connection tools then. Learn to ask a good question. Like some of the most connected times I've had in my life, I've realized at the end that other person maybe didn't even, these are people reaching out to me. And they didn't maybe tell me a whole lot. They just asked a whole lot of questions. But sometimes we need to find people in our lives and to say, let me ask you a question. Or to sit down and have lunch with them and, say, and just find some questions to ask to learn what you can learn. And then to ask the follow-up question. It's something like, well, how did that make you feel? Because we live life at an emotional level too. Listen for answers. Validate experiences. Feel with them and their emotion. Share, but share in response to what they've said. Not like, oh, that's your story? Well, let me tell you a better story. That's not it. It's like, oh, that happened to you? Well, I can imagine how you felt, or, or I can imagine what you're going through, or, boy, this is, this is similar, not the same, and probably not, but, you know, I can tell you how I've dealt with this too. Celebrate differences if you need to also. You know, a lot of times we run around trying to find people who are exactly like us because that, that makes us feel more comfortable. It makes us feel more comfortable, but it doesn't stretch us or grow us. You know, one of the great things about marriage is the fact that you're very different. That grows you. That stretches you. That pushes you past your comfort. But we need to do the same thing, too. It's like, I want to go find somebody who makes me feel good. How about if you go find somebody that you can make feel good, and if they're different from you, okay, that's all right. We're going we're gonna to do something next Sunday. Pretty simple. We're having church here, and New Springfield's having church there. But afterwards, they've invited us to come down and to have lunch with them. And you know what? This is a great way to live out what we're talking about right here. These are people who are different from us who come from a different culture of church, and we know that. And yet, these are people that we can offer Companionship, friendship too, and just, you know, added bonus, you get, you get it on the backside too. 
But there are situations all the way through life. And if you're sitting here this morning, and we took a quiz to start with, and, and we went through all these different reasons. But if you're sitting here saying, boy, I'm really struggling with this, I'm not angry with you. It's hard. I think we all struggle with it from time to time. But I, I think we need to recognize it's the enemy who convinces us that there's nothing we can do about it. And God's word and God's story is like, oh yeah, you can. Because we have a God who's committed to bringing relationship into our story. And if you're in that situation and say, okay, God, I'm really struggling here. Open up my eyes to the people in my world that maybe I can reach out to, but bring people into my story. And I'll be the, I'll be the initiator. I'll be the contributor. I'll be the giver. You'll be fine with that. I'll, I promise you, you'll be fine with that because of what you'll reap in return. And so the dark and stormy night that you might be dealing with, loneliness. But God wants to bring light into your story in the form of relationships. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word, for your story, for how it connects to us and our story. Pray for people sitting here this morning. And I'm sure it's not everybody who struggles with loneliness, but I'm sure there are people in this room who can feel very, very alone and feel that way. First of all, God, I'd ask that you would just assure that person right now in this moment that you are there with them. That you feel with them. But then, God, I pray that you'd also just speak to their hearts to say that you want to bring relationship into their story. That's who you are. Please convince us of that. If you're sitting there this morning and you're struggling with this, my invitation to you is to follow God's plan here. Follow God's example, actually. To take the initiative and to reach into somebody else's life and say, here's how I can make a difference. Maybe as you sit here this morning, you can actually think of a person where you could take that step. Or maybe you just need to, to just commit being a part of that. And we have opportunities this week with a work day on Saturday, with this story time with Connect the Nations. Some of the loneliest people in our community are people who've come from other countries, who miss home desperately and who miss relationships. Will you make a commitment, though? Get a game plan of, of where you will reach out? Now you're sitting here this morning, you don't even have a relationship with God, and you feel very isolated and cut off from him. You can have a relationship through Jesus Christ by inviting him into your story, into your life. Asking him to forgive you, to give you forgiveness, to give you the hope of eternity, which he promises. God, we are so grateful for the fact that you love us and that you pursue us and that you always take the initiative with us. We pray that you would give us that grace in our stories for other people too. We ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen. If you'll stand with me this morning. Thanks so much for joining us. Next week we're going to be continuing on in this uh, series of It's a Dark and Stormy Night. Talking about this idea of the darkness of disappointment and the discouragement that could come with that. Also, don't forget there's always that story prompt there. If you're following along in your Storylines journal, this week's story prompt is to actually... 
take the initiative to step into somebody's life and to record your experiences as you do that. So you're dismissed, but you're dismissed to connect, all right? Don't run out the door unless you have talked to somebody. Have a great day. God bless you.